everyone. Welcome back to Getting to Know You. Uh, excited about our guest this week, uh, Bob Pauly. Bob is the campus minister at St. Anthony's School uh, in Milwaukee. And uh, Bob and I actually had the opportunity to work together for a year up at Lumen Christie Parish in uh, Mequon. That's how I got to know him well. And uh, I know he's a strong uh, presence in the St. Sebastian's community. I thought he'd be a wonderful person to interview. Bob, how you doing? Doing well, John. Thanks for the invitation. And hello, Seb's friends and parishioners. Nice to be on this with John. How, how are you doing today? Doing well. Just coming off the long weekend, Labor Day yesterday. So got together with the family yesterday. We hosted a little picnic in the backyard. And then our Timmy, his 30, I think 32nd or 33rd birthday was on Saturday. So we had a couple of times with the family, which was great. And then we wow. took a drive actually up to the Sheboygan area into the Kettle Moraine, the Northern Kettle Moraine. Uh, on Sunday, so. Very good, very good, yes. Yeah. Uh, we're recording the day after Labor Day. It, it won't come out for a little bit, but uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was good to have a long weekend. So I'm glad, uh, happy birthday to Timmy too. Thank you. Um, hey, tell us, I, you know, like I said, I've gotten to know you uh, and, and you're like just generous, I would say, generous spirit over, over about a year's time we got to work together. But uh, for anyone that doesn't know you, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. And, and, and I think of it, I, I do have a generous spirit, much like yours, John, I would say. I think that's part of the reason you and I are kindred spirits to a certain extent. I'm a little bit beyond you in age, but I think our spirits are very similar in how we deal with people and try and bring out the best in others and, and love those kind of heart interactions with people. Agreed. Um, but just for a little background, grew up in Green Bay, Wisconsin. So, you know, genetic. I'm hardwired to be a Packer fan, sometimes unfortunately and sometimes over the top, but I've tried to get better. I'm in Packer rehabilitation at this point. So that's right. That's right. I was a little too far, far down the rabbit hole with that. Um, grew up in Green Bay in the, I was, you know, in the early 50s, late or in the 60s. I uh, come from a family of six and then it went down to five. One of the um, seminal moments in my life was 1963 when my dad passed at 45 unexpectedly. Oh, wow. We went from, uh, yeah, it was, and, it, and that one really um, stuck with me for a long, long time. In fact, I'll just do a little side note here. I was watching the movie Field of Dreams, mm. which most people have seen. And when I saw it, when it had come out in the theater, and I was actually up in Green Bay and saw it, and the father came across to the son, I started. Uh, having like an emotional outburst in the theater mm. where I had to like cover my mouth and cover my nose. And I realized that I had never really grieved the death of my father, wow. which, you know, cause I was only, you know, six years old at that point. And uh, I remember hearing that he had passed, but I remember kind of just going numb. And obviously we, we know more these days that feelings don't go away. They just go under. And so uh, that was the beginning of sort of a, a reclamation project in my own life. Also, of, uh, also grief is not a, a linear thing. <laughs> it isn't. It, it isn't. I mean, I still, there's still times where I, I miss him. So I think that maybe in some ways influenced also my faith of seeking the father, mm. of seeking a father. Nice. Uh, so I think that played uh, a role in my faith life. And from as early as I can remember, I was just sort of drawn to my faith life. Uh, people, kids would tease me in the neighborhood like I'm a holy Joe. 
I don't know if anybody even knows what that means, but as a kid, it wasn't what you wanted to hear people calling you. Paulie's a holy Joe, but um, I guess I was, and I guess I still am. What is the expression, a holy Joe? Holy Joe, J-O-E. So that's like, that, that dude is too, you know, let's make fun of him because he's kind of a holy guy. And we're, we think that's kind of silly and, you know, um, guilty as charged to a certain extent because it's just been a part of me as for as long as I can remember. Yeah. Um, let's see some, just some qualities about me. So just before the Ginny years, which a lot of people know me as just some background, you know, I think I was a kid. I was always sort of a born leader. And, uh, I remember my first grade teacher saying to me, you know, someday you're going to be the president of the United States. And I never achieved that, but I did become the president of two Catholic high schools. Um, One, Notre Dame Academy up in Green Bay, and the other one, St. Thomas More um, here in Milwaukee. Um, A lot of people also know me. Go ahead. What years were you president at Thomas More? Thomas More from 2006 until 2010, Hmm. and then Notre Dame Academy 2010 to 2015. What was so, that like? What was that like to be a, a, a pre- president or principal? I'm sorry. President. president. So you're overseeing the whole operation. So yeah, that must have been a lot of pressure. Um, yeah. Though I treated it like I, I mean, I come out, I, I, my probably the, the job that fits my personality the most is I'm a campus minister at heart. Yeah. So I tried to treat people with love and respect even as I'm asking for money and those types of things are overseeing what's best for the uh, organization. But, you know, whenever you're in a position of leadership, um, you're also going to have people that will judge you very harshly and potentially, um, you know, start to plot against you if they, they deem something not to their agenda, because it's all about people's agenda. You know, as long as you're the golden boy, which I was for, most of the time in both of those roles, then everything's great. You know, Paulie's the greatest, you know, he's the man. Uh, we love this guy. He's great with people. He's funny. He's, you know, he's, he's fundraising better than anybody has before him and, and all those things. But then, you know, we get, you get a new person on the board and they have some agenda and all of a sudden um, the good folks on boards will sometimes submerge and the bullies and the loudest voices will sometimes emerge, which can be a very bad uh, combination as you're going forward. Also, people like just look for people to blame sometimes too. They do, and when something goes bad, right? You are the first target because you're the you're the leader, you're the boss, and and you're the one. And I made the jump from campus minister to president, which was really I was that's I was intern. I was very unusual. I was interim president. Well, St. Thomas More was actually heading towards closure. And I was known as one of the faces of the school. So the board members just said, well, let's talk to Paulie and see what he thinks about what's happening at the school and what his thoughts are about it. And I treated it as a job interview. So I put on my suit. I came up with you know, 20, 30 bullet points and presented that to him. And then they said, well, what about this guy as maybe the president? And so they gave me the role as interim president and to kind of prove myself. And then I went into a Midwest search with some other candidates. But in the meantime, 
you know, I prayed to God. I said, Lord, you know, give me something to, to keep this school from closing because we didn't have choice money at that time. Yeah. And um, the idea of becoming a wireless laptop high school uh, was floated my way. And we became the first one in the city, the greater Milwaukee area. And we got on the news, you know, yeah. and Fox 6 and so on and so forth, the Journal Sentinel. And all of a sudden we went from the sleepy little school that was falling apart and falling into Lake Michigan to it's, it's got a new image, you know, they're wireless laptop, they're innovative, they have a great engineering program. And I kind of pushed all those, you know, you push, you had to somehow come up with something that set you apart and yet was an attractive thing. And that's what I looked for. I think just, I have a basic marketing sense is that you have to separate yourself from Marquette High and Catholic Memorial and Pius and those but also have other than just, hey, we're a good Catholic high school on the South side. We needed something that was going to get us in the news in a positive way. Yeah. And, uh, and that really helped. So things sort of took off. We started fundraising, doing really well. Um, re, re, uh, reca- uh, um, reconnected with the whole alumni base, which was Pianono and Don Bosco mm-hmm. and uh, St. Francis Minor Seminary. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a, a summer gathering. It was, I sent out a thing. You're all invited. It's all, you're all invited. It's all, let's see, how did I phrase it? It's all on us. Oh, it's all on us and it's all for you. So they didn't have to pay anything to come. We had just a light dinner of beer and hot dogs. My rock and roll band played at it and we gave tours of the school. We had 500 plus school uh, people come when their past reunions had gotten like 90 or 80 down at, uh, down at German fest or whatever. Wow. So yeah, a pretty, I mean, really God, you know, as I took that leadership, I was given the tools and I made the most of them. And I mean, it was really quite a, a process. And now Thomas More is doing great. You know, yeah. I, I helped them get to the point where they got choice money. I actually went to Madison to, testify on their behalf, trying to get them into the choice program. And so that's wonderful. lots of really good legacy stuff at Thomas More. Those, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah. It, it, you, you have left a strong legacy. It's, it's very good school. I know some of the teachers there now and, and they yeah. continues to be a strong community. So yeah. And Thomas and, and Notre Dame up in Green Bay is like Marquette, Mar, the Marquette DS combo. It's one school. It's co-ed very strong, huge alumni base, um, very large, um, uh, you know, money that they can use for I'm trying to think I'm losing the term of what it is. They have a large endowment. They call endowment. Thank you, John. Mm-hmm. They have a huge endowment. And, you know, I was the Green Bay boy coming home. I felt a little, you know, I know Green Bay. Those are my people. And I felt very empowered to, to lead that school. But Kenny and I never moved up there. Uh, she just felt so strongly about being with our children here in Milwaukee. So I lived with my mom during the week. And then I came home on the weekends, which was just crazy for five years. So we, that was not sustainable. And um, five wonderful years, but five very difficult. Years. I can't imagine. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, sure. I'm sure you did a good job, but yeah, I can definitely see how that's not sustainable for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of Ginny, um, I know through being friends uh, the story of how you guys uh, 
got together. And I know most people know you uh, and Ginny as a, as a couple, but just tell really quick, tell the story about how you, you guys met each other. It's a great story. And, and it really, it's, it's really foundational in our lives. The, there, we, in our den, we have a, the, the poster that was used at Cardinal Stritch in 1982 or three, I can't remember, one of the two, that said Godspell tonight in, in the little theater at Cardinal Stritch College. And I heard that being promoted. I'm at school right now, so that's the announcements coming over. Sorry. Yeah, real life. We're doing real life. This is real life stuff. I'm at my job right now. And um, so I, I went out for it. I wasn't even a theater student. I was a theology student getting, becoming an educator. But I always loved Godspell. I always loved the music. I had seen it, and I thought if, if I could ever be in one theater production, that would be it. So I tried out for it, got the lead. Uh, they used to call me, you know, Ginny's Jesus, you know, because I got the role of Jesus and she was in the play too. Um, and that was the start is that we started dating after that. And um, that will forever, ever be a huge part of our, of our story is all the music of Godspell, all the, all the wonder of, of the lines and the great, the great scripts and the good people that we were with. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. we met in Godspell. Yeah, which was awesome. And it seems like your your relationship is very rooted in faith, obviously. And I know that you guys yeah. are active in the parish. Why, why don't you talk a little bit about? You've talked about how you were a holy Joe as a child, but what was that inside you? Talk talk about your faith a little bit, and then maybe move into your involvement at Sebs. Yeah. Um, well, my mom was really, really religious, and I think became more so once my dad passed. So, I mean, I, again, I think that that really had a lot to do with it. And I was wounded several times with death. I mean, you know, like by the time I was a sophomore in high school, three grandparents had died, um, like four aunts and uncles had died. My dad had died. I mean, it was like, you know, you come home and it's like, Bob, I, Bobby, I have some very sad news. Like, oh, God, like what? You know, who, who died now? So we kind of lived with that, Paul. But I think that also made me realize that life just isn't about, uh, you know, uh, just everything's fun and everything's good. And how you doing? Hey, great. How you doing? You know, it's, that isn't life. No. Uh, there was a wounded side that I carried with me. And then I also realized that maybe I'm not the only one that had that, which led to, I think, a more compassionate heart mm. for anybody grieving or struggling or transitioning in some way that was very, very difficult for them. So in like late grade school, I did consider priesthood, did the weekend at the seminary, met some kind of weirdos out there. So I thought maybe this isn't all that it's cracked up to be. And as we come to know, uh, priests and anybody in the religious life, they're just human beings some are you know, ju they're just like us yeah. trying to figure it all out and 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 do the best that they can um some better than others but i realized after that weekend that uh, you know i still had this thing about religious life but i really wanted to be more than anything i wanted to be a, a father a husband and a father and so uh, my faith in high school i went through a charismatic phase for those who know what that's all about 
speaking in tongues and different things that charismatic movement was big in the early seventies. Right. I, I did that from like 73 to 76. Um, and then, you know, continued to study theology in college and, and got my master's and BA in theology. So I went to a Benedictine school, St. John's university, still kind of searching through to God or for God through nature and relationships and the Benedictines. And I realized Benedictines didn't really necessarily know where God was. You know, it's kind of like, I don't know if you ever seen the play um, waiting for Godot. You ever heard about that? Well, I mean, it's, I think a lot of us are that way. We're all waiting for God, you know, we're waiting. Maybe he's around the corner, you know, maybe, maybe today I'll, he'll be there. And, um, a lot of times there's sort of a quietness about it where you're not, and you know, to be honest, I don't have any guarantees that there is a being, but I'm going to, I'm going to stake my life on that relationship. Even if somebody at my deathbed said, ha ha, there really isn't an afterlife. There is no God. I still would choose the path that I've, that I've taken. I was just uh, talking, I was just talking um, about this with a, uh, St. Catherine's formation group this morning and we were saying it's an act of hope. I mean, it, yeah, there's, yeah. there's no evidence. There's no guarantee, but nope. you know what? I'm going to choose it because I don't, well, one, because I don't like the alternative and oh. two, two, because I, I want to live out of a framework of hope. And that's a great way of describing it. And I would also say that if, and here's a condition, if God is love, I have experienced love. Hmm. So then I, maybe I have experienced. Yeah, maybe there is evidence. But it, but it's a theorem, you know. So a theorem doesn't doesn't make it true either. Yeah. You know, you could say just like the theorem. Oh, look at the universe. Look at how wonderful it is. There must have been a creator. Well, not necessarily. Yeah. That that doesn't guarantee anything. But you know, in John's letter, I think God's you know God is love. So. Um, I have experienced love in my relationship with Jenny and our children and our grandchildren, people like you and others that I've made a night, a good solid connection with. And so I believe in that, whatever that is, and a generous heart that overflows from that, you know, and, and a caring for the poor and the vulnerable that makes, you know, to me, that's, there's something profound about that. Yeah. And I want to be with people that are like that versus people are like, don't worry. Hey, it's every, every man, woman, and child to them for themselves. You know, it's doggy dog world and, you know, survival of the fittest. Well, if that's the way it is, I don't want it. I don't want to be in that world. Yeah. I, I, I like, how you said that. I like how you said that too, because it's, you're, you're saying there is evidence of God and it's the, it's the evidence of our love, which is beautiful. And yeah. 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 Well, so, yeah. So, you know, that finally came, you know, came in, into God's spell where I met somebody who was just um, the companion of my heart. I met. Now I might start getting. Hang on a second. <laughs> Every time I talk about our, 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 our uh, marriage and stuff at our 25th anniversary, I, I got choked up too, uh, talking when the kids had something. So if I get verklempt, it's okay. It's all right. I, I know it's I know it's okay. And I will take the time. But when I, I met Jenny, you know, I was a wounded, I was a wounded cat, you know, very talented, 
very, you know, great communicator, um, powerful personality, had leadership stuff, but I was the walking wounded, you know, in terms of my heart and how life had led me to that point. And, you know, you speak about God and hope, John. She gave me hope. Like she, she all of a sudden opened up a world of children and imagination and um, uh, family and relationships and childlike behavior, not childish, but childlike behavior um, that I'd always dreamed of and hoped for. But I thought, you know, as I was getting into my 20s, I, I was not finding life to be that way. It was very kind of, um, it's a rough place out there, you know, outside of that, that, that world. Um, yeah. So that was, I mean, as I've said to her and, you know, she's my, she's my, my compass, my North pole compass. She's, you know, my, I know how to find my way a lot of times because of her and yeah. she has, you know, she has created a world around me of children and grandchildren. So, um, but you know, she's created, she's created a world that I get to enjoy and um, get to explore my spirituality, which is still a work in progress. Um, yeah. You know, what, what really means a lot to me these days, John, I mean, the Catholic church is still very important, but certainly, you know, like Native American spirituality, I really appreciate that and, and nature and, and that type of thing. And also like interior work. I, I guess one of my favorite sayings is like, um, the kingdom of heaven is within you. I think it's in Luke's gospel. And so I don't try and find it outside of myself as work like every day, minute of every day on myself to try and make myself more whole, recover the lost parts of myself from my life. And I figure if I'm more whole, then the world's a better place and I can bring my wholeness to other people. And so I'm a big journaler. I, 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 about 10 years ago, I started thinking, I don't really want to hear from anybody else what they think about God and spirituality. So I started asking a question in the morning every two or three times a week. And I just say, any messages today, my Lord? And I would just pause and I would wait. And like a magic eight ball, have you ever seen the magic eight ball? Of course. Yeah. All of a sudden, seriously, like down in my dark soul, Sometimes a word would come and I had no idea where it was going, but I'd write down the word and all of a sudden a few more came. It's kind of like Harry Potter or something yeah. <laughs> you know, where everything's, you know, like, but it's not Tom Riddle. It's actually a good thing. It's all yeah. good stuff. <laughs> so, um, and so that became like, I, I reread the messages that I've been given over the last 10 years and they're just really very profound for me and my, my spiritual growth. In fact, I was thinking I'm, I might retire a year from now. I might even write a book, um, any messages today, my Lord, and then encourage others to try it for themselves. I mean, I can include my messages, which may or may not be good for you on your spiritual journey, but that doesn't mean that you couldn't maybe learn what I learned how to do it and give it a shot. And if it works for others, and that could be a good thing. So I think that sounds awesome. Reserve me a copy, please. Yeah, thank you. Have, <laughs> have, you, have you started? You got a book too, right? Oh, uh, no, no. For your doctorate? No? 
Oh, I yeah, I wrote a dissertation. Yeah, well, it, it's not a lot of those can become books. though. <laughs> it's not the same as what you're talking about. I mean, I, I did a, an interesting study about the Catholic Church, but you really are talking about the heart of discipleship, which I think is probably yeah. a lot more meaningful for people. So well, <laughs> depends on who you talk to, I'm sure. Yeah, um, uh, that's um, so. But I know you've been really active in 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 the parish. You and yeah. Jimmy both uh, yep. remind people as uh, what what are some of the things you've done. Yeah, I jotted down so I could just say all the things. You know, now I'm old. I was young when this started out, and uh, we got married in 1984. Here, so here's all the sub stuff. Okay. Um, let's see if I can find it. Yeah. Married in 1984, parishioners ever since. Oh. I've been a t-ball coach, a fish fry guy. Nice. Family retreat. We used to have family retreats at Sebs with like eight families, and we'd go on retreats, planned our own retreat, and then coordinated it with just parishioners. Something for you to consider. Yeah. Really cool. cool. And the kids good. still remember that. Yeah. So, I mean, that might be an idea for you guys. I mean, we grew out of it. Um, we also had a thing called a church group. There were four families who all had little children who decided, or actually five at one point, but there are four kind of heart, the core of it, um, started that when they had kids. And then like two, everybody would go to church, but the kids would stay behind. And then two, two parents would stay behind or three or four and watch over the kids so that people could go pray without the kids mm. but yet we'd break bread have a nice meal afterwards lots of good community building and you know that's that's Steph and Pat Russell I mean these are people that are like our some of our dearest friends mm. Susie and Charlie Perch and a lot of people are going to be oh yeah I know those guys yeah. um, Mary Jo and Don Layden and people will say yeah and then Bob and Jenny Pauley there were some others that came and went but I mean we're still very dear friends. And that's 30 years ago, you know, 35 years ago, another parish thing. Um, uh, family retreats. So singing at masses and funerals at Sebs, I wrote a song for um, called Giving Faith the Room to Grow, which was used for uh, the building building thing. So that was the theme song for it along with Ginny. Yeah, that was beautiful. Yeah, thank you. And been involved with multiple cabarets, done all sorts of weird stuff if anybody's seen them they've seen me act you know bizarre but i have i am very bizarre and so it seems all- to be a, a theme in these interviews that that i i've just by by chance gotten a lot of cabaret people and they just keep saying how amazing cabaret is <laughs> the good memories quite the deal i've been the the drummer in the pit band for the Kirkpatrick Productions, yes. as you have as you have discovered, and I, I mean, Ginny and I have been doing that for probably fifteen years. It's great, and uh, and a waiter, one of the probably for 10, 15 years at the Christmas boutique. Oh wow! Yeah. So you know, we sing a little bit and we wait on tables and all that good stuff. Yeah. So that's all the sub stuff that I did. Tell me, about, tell, me about, tell me about music in your life. Yeah, I know music is played. Yeah, I mean, that's that's huge. And I was going to say that in the first part. You know, I'm a performer. I'm a singer. I'm a musician. I wrote a song called The Train, which is on YouTube, that was actually on hold by the Charlie Daniels band. So you probably wouldn't know because you're too young. But no. Charlie Daniels wrote The Devil Comes Down to, to Georgia. Yeah. And this is like a, about a hellbound train. And um, on the run from 
crimes I'd left behind me. Kept a step ahead so the past could never find me. Left a trail of broken promises and misery. I never thought it'd change. Till I rode the train. It actually was on hold. So that was the closest to famous I ever became. <laughs> Not that, you know, whatever. No, it's cool. It's very cool. It, it is. It's a cool little little thing. Um, yeah, I'm in a rock and roll band for 17 years, Hot Off the Grill. Liturgical musician. I do two masses a week at the middle school here and at the high school here. So we rock out as much as we can. At the, your, your, your band, Hot Off the Grill, do you have any gigs coming up? Yeah, we have... Um, I think for the 14th year in a row, we'll be at Sturgeon Bay Harvest Fest. Oh, so we'll be the band in the middle of the street for five hours, rocking, wow. the, rocking the day away. It's just a total blast. What's I, your favorite song to play? Um, um, to Love Somebody by the Bee Gees. To love somebody, love somebody. I love that song. Yeah, you can't the sing anymore. We got to um, buy the rights to it. So Okay. And then the other, the other one is uh, probably the rocking one is probably Moni Moni. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I've that seen gets, you do that one. That gets me into my wildest side, I think. You know, yeah. I just really want to kick some butt when I'm saying. <laughs> um, That's great. Yeah. So let's see. And some other things I said about myself is friend to youth. Uh, Don Bosco is a saint and all it says of him was he was a, he's the patron saint of youth. And I remember reading friend who's a friend to youth. And I'd have to say that is a charism. I have a charism for teenagers as wacky as they are. I remember how wacky my teenage years are. And I still have the charism for that. They still, I'm surprised in my sixties now that they don't think well, who's the old dude in <laughs> campus ministry, but they come in, they still want the poly love for them so that's that's kind of a cool thing. that's great yeah and i came up with a for thomas Moore. i came up with the mission of the school but i think they've changed it since then i i, I said to love educate and serve young people in the spirit of jesus christ and that's really what i've tried to do as campus minister as teacher and then ultimately as president of those yeah. Two schools. yeah so, i think you live yeah. that i think you live that with integrity yeah Thank you. I, it's been a, it's been a good run, and I, I think of that. You know, you and I at uh, Lumen Christi, I started doing a thing on charisms and stuff. I really do believe that God gives us charisms, yeah. and mine are music, and um, well, leadership, and I think a a heart for, for youth. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for teenagers. Even yeah. though I love children and I love elderly too, I would say the the biggest one is for for teenagers. Yeah, you have a, uh, you have a, is this, is this a compliment, a young heart? <laughs> yeah, I think when somebody says you're young at heart, that's a very high compliment. Yeah, that's the expression, young at heart. <laughs> and I think it's hard. I mean, I, people, you know, there's a hardening of the heart. Mm -hmm. And life can sometimes be so brutal that, that that light that was on 20 years ago, 25 years ago, or heart for social justice or others, all of a sudden has, has gotten hardened by... Mm -hmm whatever and and maybe led to like wow i can't believe you believe that these days you know with think of all the people that you'd say boy there was a time where i, I you were a very different person but i think with jenny's love and the love of our children and grandchildren and friends 
uh, my heart made it through. So I am still very young at heart. Very, very silly. Yes, you are. Uh, it leads me to my last question. You know, when you think about the future, what do you hope for? Yeah, so I, I wrote a couple of things down about that. And uh, I mean, I think my Jenny being with me and my children and grandchildren, for sure. Um, my hope is also of recovering what was lost and making it found within myself so that I can share my treasures with the poor and the vulnerable and with other people. Um, hopeful, another thing of hope is maybe doing some writing out if I'm in retirement. I don't wanna just sit around and go to Home Depot. <laughs> and I'd really like to, it to be a very rich time of music and maybe songwriting, recording. To what gives me hope is planting myself, my, my focus in, the, uh, in the, the soil of my heart listening to the whispers of my inner life and the messages of dreams. So that's what gives me hope. Very good. Very in, in, a, in a world where it's real easy to be hopeless and yeah. to be very, it's a very toxic world right now. So, you know, it, it'd be real easy to just say, man, it, it, this is bad, bad. And it is bad right now, but there are signs of hope. And these are some of the things that, that give me hope. Well, and I go back to the beginning of our conversation that, that our faith has not uh, served us on a silver platter. It's something we choose in the spirit of hope. And I think that's what you're referring that's to. That's right. Right. In good times and in bad, in sickness and in health. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Bob, I, I always appreciate your, your optimism and your, your, your childlike heart uh, uh, and <laughs> everything, uh, everything that your presence brings. So thank you so much for talking with us today. I appreciate it. Thanks, John. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Blessings on your journey. Thank you so much. Thanks. And all the run from crimes I've left behind me. Careful step ahead to the past.